Hello, folks. Welcome to Courtside Wellness. I'm your host, Brandon St. Croix, former athlete and current sports social worker. On today's episode, we're going to do things a little bit different. We don't have a guest joining us today, but we're going to talk about 10 tips for athletes to take care of their mental health and mental well-being. May is Mental Health Month. We thought here at Courtside Wellness that it'd be important for us to end off the month with 10 tips for athletes to take care of their mental health, no matter what phase of their athletic career they're in. No matter if it's at the high school level, the collegiate level, the professional level, or transitioning out of sport. Thank you, and enjoy. And folks, we're back. Like we said, on today's episode, we're going to be doing it a little bit differently. Instead of having a guest on, we're going to talk about tips for athletes to take care of their mental health and their mental well-being. We have taken athletes' stories, experiences, research, coaching tips, as well as poor social workers' perspectives to put together these 10 tips that we recommend for athletes, no matter what level they may be at, no matter at the high school level, the collegiate level, the professional level, retiring or finishing up from their athletic career, or anyone who just loves sports. These are some tips we recommend from Quartzile Wellness and Wellness Athletic Services. Number one, taking care of the basics. How often do we forget about just taking care of our appetite, our nutrition, our sleep, our body? Oftentimes, we ignore those things. We try to push through. We try to train harder. We try to do more. We try to push our body to its limit. But oftentimes, we need to remember that rest is one of the most important parts we must remember. So again, making sure we're getting enough sleep. And sometimes people wonder, well, how much sleep is enough? You know, what is normal? For some people, it may be seven hours of sleep. For other people, it may be eight hours of sleep. So it's knowing what our body needs to function. You know, making sure we're taking care of ourselves nutritionally. Making sure we're getting enough water. Making sure we're getting enough fruits and vegetables. Making sure we're meeting those basic needs. Because again, it's hard for us to function both physically and emotionally and mentally. If we're not taking care of those factors. Number two. Know and listen to your body. How often do we see it? And we've heard athletes talk about it on our episodes as well. We push through and we don't listen to our body in terms of aches, pains, injuries. We try to convince ourselves that we're okay. We try to tell ourselves, okay, I can still practice. I can still play. We try to return to the court, the field, the ice rink as quick as possible. But oftentimes what that does is it creates more mental and physical stress on the body. We're more prone to injuries. And what it also does is it invalidates our own experiences as an athlete and as a human being. So again, being able to understand what that body needs to heal, what we need to do to, you know, take care of ourselves physically and mentally. We've seen in the past Olympics, Simone Biles removing herself from the Olympic events due to knowing that she was not in a proper mental state. And again, the risk of injury would be so much higher with her performing at the mental state she was in at the time. So again, I think more athletes need to understand, okay, what do I need to do to listen to myself in the moment? I often uh, hear athletes talk about the book, The Body Keeps the Score, which again is a way of understanding the body gives us these body notifications. If we're not okay, doesn't matter if that means physically or mentally. So again, it's important for coaches to be aware about this as well. So again, being able to respect the athlete when they say, I need to take this time for myself, physically or mentally. 
not putting that additional pressure on ourselves to perform when we know we're not okay because again those short-term and long-term effects can be drastic on an athlete's career number three develop a structure or routine we heard daniel gordon talk about his own routine that he goes through no matter if it's a game day or an off day being able to say okay you know it might be eating the same foods going through the same repetition as humans we strive on predictability knowing what's next so again if we can set up that structural routine for ourselves no matter if we are at our home gym rink ice surface field or for away being able to help the body understand what that predictability is know what that structure and routine will be which helps the body find its sink once our body is out of sync the body produces more stress hormones it's harder for the body to regulate and it's more difficult on an athlete this can also be helpful for athletes who are transitioning from their athletic career into the next phase of their life or during injuries and being able to prepare to return to their sport or adjust to what life brings them next number four learning healthy coping techniques oftentimes we hear about athletes say well i've often known that i need to just practice or work through it or may not have been taught healthy coping techniques so they resort to drugs alcohol or negative coping techniques such as self-harm or restrictive eating these impacts of negative coping techniques can impact not just an athlete's career but an individual's mental well-being so we need to understand how to teach athletes positive coping techniques such as mindfulness grounding deep breathing progressive muscle relaxation reaching out for their supports all these can be different forms of self-care we often hear individuals talk about exercise which again can be a great form of self-care for athletes but oftentimes remind ourselves okay is this helping me in the moment or is this bringing me more frustration and emotional distress at this moment due to my stress or pressures at the time being around my sport so again it might be looking at other hobbies or activities one thought that often comes to mind is nba head coach of the toronto raptors nick nurse who brings his guitar with him while he's on the road using hobbies outside of sport can be helpful to athletes to understand that okay how can i be more than just my sport or just my position or just my role as an athlete having those other ways of coping or other hobbies to invest their time their mental effort and their physical effort into which can help athletes understand there's other avenues that it can be and we'll talk more about that there on today's episode number five understanding your needs when we think about our needs we often reflect to you know our number one point of taking care of the basics which again is part of our needs in terms of sleep appetite overall well-being physically but again understanding what we need as an individual we are all different we're all unique and it reflects back to trey moses episode where he talked about understanding what we need from other people around us Colton Ray St. Cyr talked about it as well in terms of he needed coaches who yelled at him, riled him up, got him excited, got him pumped up in those ways. But not all athletes need that. Trey Moses talked about how he needed someone to meet him where he's to, understand his level, and not yell at him because he knew he would just shut down. So understand that we're all different, no matter as an athlete or as an individual. So what are those supports that we need? How can we be supported? What, what is it that we need? We need someone to listen to us. We need someone who's going to be able to reflect criticisms back to us. Do we need just someone who's going to be there and being a sounding board? 
Do we need our space? Do we need to be left alone? Do we need to be surrounded by other people? And again, these answers may be different depending on what we're facing at the time, no matter if it's injuries or frustrations from our sport or exterior pressures. Because again, as we know, athletes are more than just an athlete. They bring their own life experience, their own narrative, their own upbringings to the table. So being able to understand, okay, what is it from my past outside of my athletic career that's really impacted me at this time? Have I addressed some of these concerns or have I put these on the back burner and just focused on my sport and my performance and my practice? So being able to understand what needs to be addressed in this moment and where might I need those supports from. And that leads us really well into our next point, number six. Knowing what our supports are and who they may be. And they may look different depending on what phase of life we're at, what part of our athletic career we're in, and who we feel comfortable around and being able to trust with. It may be a coach. It may be a trainer. It may be a friend. It may be a teammate. So again, understanding who those supports are, who we can trust, who we have a strong lines with and what we feel comfortable sharing because as we know that rapport building is one of the most crucial parts of developing a sense of safeness of security and that is what athletes need that's what all of us need as human beings because again as we know athletes are a vulnerable population and without that trust and rapport building athletes don't feel safe to reach out who would so oftentimes when speaking with athletes, coaches, other individuals in sport, I reference the importance of trauma-informed care and understanding what that means to be trauma-informed and how to work with athletes through a trauma-informed lens. In future episodes of Courtside Wellness, we're going to focus on trauma-informed care and what that looks like for athletes. Number seven, understanding athlete identity. How often do we see athletes talk about who they are based on their sport, their position, and the teams that they played on? Greg Harden from the University of Michigan often talks about it, where when athletes would meet with him, he would ask them who they are. And they would say examples such as, I'm a freshman on the soccer team. I'm a point guard on the basketball team. I'm a defensive end on the football team. But again, is that all who they are? Are they a son, a daughter, a friend, a co-worker, a cousin, a grandchild? All these other parts of who makes them who they are. But oftentimes this is forgotten. And it can make it difficult on an athlete, drawing points of injuries, drawing points of transitions, drawing points of conversation, drawing points of triumph or difficulty in sport. Because if we just base ourselves based on our sport, our position, and our teams. We forget other parts of who we are. And oftentimes this athlete identity is ingrained at such a young age, as young as six, seven, eight. When athletes return to their hometown, the biggest conversation happens is where they're going with their career, what the next step is, the championship game, the upcoming games, next season, what that might look like. Oftentimes, our community and our society doesn't ask about what's next for you. What other parts do you enjoy about your life or about the college experience? What's your other passions that you have? What are, what are your other interests that you have? What else would you like to pursue? Tell me something about you outside of sport. 
tell me who else you are. And once athletes embrace that after identity, it's hard for them to see outside of that because again, that's all that's discussed. That's all that the highlights are about. We need to help athletes understand who they are, who they want to be, and how can we help with those phases of life. Numerous athletes have talked about the difficulty between their collegiate career and their professional career because of the pressures of, okay, what phase of life am I at? I'm 21 years old, I'm 22 years old, I'm 23 years old, and I don't know who I am. I don't know what I stand for. For most of my life, I've spent 12, 14, 16 hours a day revolved around my sport in training, in team meetings, in traveling, in games, in tournaments. But I haven't been able to identify what the other aspects of who I am are. And that leads us into number eight. How transition impacts athletes. These transitions can be planned or unplanned, such as planning for retirement from sport, transitioning to another phase of life, transitioning into coaching, training, scouting, and still staying connected to the game. Or it could be through injuries, which are often unexpected, which often create a whole ordeal of trauma due to the shock that the body goes through, the questioning of what's next, who am I in the next phase of life? Just recently, I heard Kevin Durant talked about his injury while at Golden State when playing against the Toronto Raptors in the NBA Finals in 2019. He said the first thought that went through his mind was, is this it for me? What's that going to mean? And as fine as society, we say, well, he's going to be taken care of. He's made his money. But that's not the point. It's that shock to the body of, what am I going to do next? Who am I? I'm in my late 20s, and I've known the game basketball. That's been who I am. That's what I've identified as. Now, what will I move on to next? Or it's that difficulty after an athlete retires or finishes their athletic career and is not recognized as much as they might have been during their athletic career. Oftentimes, athletes talk about during their career, they couldn't walk into a grocery store, couldn't walk in the streets without being recognized, and how you know that was the mindset. And five years after their career, no one may know who they are. And how that can be an adjustment period for athletes and something that's never ever talked about or discussed what that plan could look like. So it's important that we work with athletes to understand and prepare for those transition points, understand what their goals, what their passions, what their interests may be. Number nine, set up boundaries and understand what boundaries are. Oftentimes when young athletes are being recruited for next level athletics, no matter if it's at the collegiate level, the professional level. There's a lot of hype, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of worry. And there's a lot of people who are there, some for the right reasons, but not all are there for the right reasons. So it's understanding what those boundaries need to be set, what we feel comfortable with, and what we feel ready to say. And be able to talk about, okay, do I need a rigid boundary here? Do, can I have a flexible boundary? How do I enforce a boundary? And what that might look like. The same thing can be with coaches, administration, trainers, in terms of what boundaries do I need to set for myself, both from a physical standpoint around injuries, around a mental standpoint to take care of our well-being, in terms of self-care, in terms of other people around us. 
And sometimes we need to step out of ourselves of, are my goals realistic? Am I putting myself at risk or am I causing myself more harm by pushing my body to certain levels? So it's being able to understand what those boundaries are, what our values are, and how the two are intertwined. The same boundaries can be set in place during an athlete's professional career as well, to understanding what that may look like from a physical standpoint, emotional standpoint, financial standpoint, and knowing how am I taking care of myself, my support systems, the people that truly matter, and what that looks like. How to have those tough conversations with people by using skills that can be taught, such as dialectical behavioral skills, cognitive behavioral skills, interpersonal effective skills. Athletes aren't taught that in a gym, at a rink, on a field. But again, these are skills that are not going to just help athletes join their athletic career, but post their career as well. And number 10, this is one that I feel is most important. And again, it doesn't matter what phase of an athlete's career they're in, what that athletic career looks like at the high school level, at the professional level, at the collegiate level. It's allowing ourselves to feel emotions, allowing ourselves to take down these walls, to take down this stigma that mental health has in our sport community. Oftentimes, we put our emotions on the back burner. We put our head down. We dive through the workouts. We dive through the game. We try to push it off and say, I'm going to be okay. I just need to run it out. I just need to push it out at the gym. I just need to ignore it. But again, that causes more pain that we're feeling due to the invalidation that we're going through. Oftentimes, I compare to individuals who've been told, oh, just get over it, or just forget about it, or just give it up. But again, oftentimes we invalidate ourselves because we tell ourselves those same messages over and over by not allowing ourselves to feel the emotions. So by learning how to feel the emotions, understand what that emotion is, and understand how to take care of that. It can provide a sense of comfort for ourselves, a sense of control of our own emotions and decision-making and choices. But also, it's doing the other points in our 10 tips that we talked about today. It's understanding the basics to take care of. It's listening to our body and our mind. It's understanding what our structure may need to be to take care of those emotions. It's coping through healthy techniques. It's understanding our needs and what those needs may need to be looked like. It's being able to reach out to our supports and bounce off our emotions with all people. It's understanding ourselves not just as an athlete, but what our identity looks like outside of being an athlete. It's understanding the state of mind and state of time that we're in during our athletic career or after our, our athletic career. It's setting boundaries to ourselves to be able to understand that, okay, we're not going to push this off any longer. We're not going to invalidate our own emotions, our own experiences, and our own journey. And it's understanding what wellness looks like for us. We can have 100 athletes on here today, all talking about these tips and how these could be implemented. It's going to look different for every athlete. For some athletes, they may have talked about three or four tips that they constantly implement into their well-being. Again, we talked about Daniel Gordon talked about developing a structural routine. Trey Moses talking about the importance of understanding how we need to be listened to and responded by coaches, administration, and other individuals. 
we heard Z Butler talk about transition points and what they might look like. We heard numerous athletes talk about the athlete identity. We heard Jesse Walsh talk about injuries and how that can impact an athlete's career. Athletes know what needs to happen, but again, it's not often felt, is it safe to talk about it? Is it okay to talk about it? Hopefully this can be a safe place for athletes to understand themselves better, to start their own wellness journey, and to be able to learn more tools and skills to add to their skill set that they already have. Moving forward, like I said, we're going to talk more around tips for coaches. We're going to have more guest speakers on, both from an athletic level, a coaching level, and a sports social work level there as well. If you have any other ideas or topics that you'd love to hear on Court Cell Wellness, we'd love to hear it. Feel free to reach out to us on our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram at Wellness Athletic Services or email us at wellnessathleticservices at gmail.com. Thank you for your time today and look forward to hearing how people are implementing these skills into their everyday lives. Thank you and stay well.